Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, November 8th, 2013. Now, today will not be a full program. Details forthwith. In fact, if you follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you already know what's afoot. And notice I didn't say what a foot is. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. We slow down, stop, and compare what people are saying to God's Word in context. Now, today is Friday, November 8th, and what we will be doing today is we're going to do a light episode. Unfortunately, I have to invoke the light episode edition. Normally, when I do that, I hand it over to one person today. I'm going to hand it over to two, and uh, let me explain what's up. Uh, Mark Driscoll and James McDonald are holding a conference in Indianapolis this weekend. It starts today and ends tomorrow, and I will be in attendance Yes, legally, I will not be crashing the party, but what I will be doing is I will be showing up early and parking in the public parking lot across the street from the convention center where the Act Like Men conference will be held. I'm going to get there early, get a good parking spot, and uh, and anybody who would like to come by and visit me in the parking lot may do so. Um, and, and that would include Mark Driscoll or uh, James McDonald. If they would like to come and say, hey, I'd love to talk to him. I'm not there to crash the party. But, however, um, I've taken a page from Mark Driscoll's book, and that is that anybody who comes and says hi to me, I will give you a gift. And what I will give you is I will give you a little card, and on the card are, are links so that you can download a free gift copy of Pirate Christian Radio's edition of CFW Walther's The Proper Distinction of Law and Gospel. That is just my gift to you, to coming and saying hello to me. And when I hand these out, I will not be on the convention center grounds. I will only hand these out to you if you say hey to me while I'm in the public parking lot. I'm there, not there to be a nuisance. I'm not there to protest. I'm there and basically saying, hey, if you'd like to come and visit me, you happen to be in Indianapolis. There's a lot of folks who uh, listen to uh, Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio who will be in attendance. And if you'd like to come by and say, hey, 
you're welcome to do so. And you can see the Pirate Christian Radio Mobile while you're there. While you're there. So that being the case, what we're going to do today is we're going to play for you two good Reformation Day sermons. And uh, the first of them will be from uh, uh, Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, Pastor Bill Swirla. And um, the name of his sermon is simply Reformation. And then uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back from the uh, break, we'll be listening to the second Reformation Day sermon. Uh, this one preached by Pastor Brent Kuhlman of Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. And the name of that one is entitled Remaining in Christ. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to hand you over to two very capable men uh, who are going to be uh, preaching some very vital things for you to be hearing. These are good sermons. Uh, Pastor Swirlis is more uh, is truly a homily in the sense that uh, he won't actually get into the exegetical work until about halfway through the sermon, which is kind of interesting. So there, there's some opening thoughts which I think are appropriate. Uh, but before we do that, um, I I must do what we normally do here at Fighting for the Faith, and that is uh, since we're going to be listening to sermons, I have to play our good sermon review music. So the, just to keep our tradition going. So without any further ado, let's do this right. Here we go. And, uh, well, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. Word Equal Opportunity Sermon Reviewing Service. Today's sermons come to us via Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, as well as Trinity uh, Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska, respectively. Uh, first sermon is by Pastor William Swirla. It's entitled Reformation and is based upon the epistle text for Reformation Day, Romans chapter 3, verses 17 through 28, which I will read shortly for you. And Pastor Brent Kuhlman's sermon is based upon the Gospel of John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, which I will read just before we review that sermon. And there will be a tiny little uh, break so that we can pay bills in between each of the sermons. So let me go ahead and back off on the music and uh, read for you the uh, epistle text that will form the basis of the sermon that you will hear from Pastor Swirla. And here's what it says, Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 17. Um, the way of peace they have not known, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God, for by works of the law no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Here is Pastor William Swirla and his sermon entitled Reformation. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Reformation Sunday. 
That's five days before Reformation Day proper, but Concordia Publishing House put it in the bullet and insert, so why not? Good excuse to wear red, too, I suppose. Besides, you probably wouldn't have shown up for a Thursday night service anyway, being busy with that great and wondrous holiday known as Halloween. Reformation Day, October 31st, the Eve of All Hallows. That's what Halloween means, the Eve of All Hallows. That is, the Eve of All Saints Day is the day when, in 1517, an Augustinian friar and professor of theology at Wittenberg University named Dr. Martin Luther, you might have heard of him, posted 95 theses in Latin, which means none of us could read it, concerning the practice of indulgences, selling indulgences. He posted his 95 theses on the church door. Not an act of vandalism, not an act of defiance. It was the bulletin board. It's where you put stuff up. Luther wanted to discuss what he saw were abuses in the church, abuses against the gospel of Jesus Christ and a complete misunderstanding of the core of the Christian faith. Well, someone got a hold of the cop of a copy of the 95 Theses, translated them into German so everybody could read them, slapped them on Gutenberg's newly invented printing press, and circulated the thing all over Germany, where they became a kind of a manifesto for rebellion against Rome. Luther got himself excommunicated three years later for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Church of Jesus Christ. The churches of the German lands were cut off from Rome, and the rest is, as they say, history. A divided Western church with hundreds, if not thousands, of Protestant sects and a big bloated bureaucracy in Rome. It's not a pretty sight, believe me. Of course, the New Testament continually reminds us that the church always appears weak in this world, that the cross of Jesus always remains a stumbling block to the unbelieving world and even to the religious institutions, that the doctrine of the justification of the sinner before God by grace alone, through faith alone, for Christ's sake alone, irritates and rankles the religious world as much today as it did 500 years ago, yes, as it did nearly 2,000 years ago when the Apostle Paul first preached it. Reformation Day is not a day for gloating and boasting as we have nothing whatsoever to boast about. It's not a day for Catholic bashing. It's not a day for a Protestant happy dance in the ecclesiastical end zone after scoring the winning touchdown. There was no winning touchdown. It's not the birthday of the Lutheran Church. In fact, there's no such thing as a Lutheran Church. There are churches who teach the Lutheran doctrine, but there is no such thing as the Lutheran Church. There is simply one holy Catholic and apostolic church that clings to Christ in faith and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, regardless of what the signboard happens to say outside. And that church is visibly and audibly, mostly audibly, marked by God himself. God does it. Wherever believers are gathered to hear the preaching of Jesus Christ for the justification of sinners and 
to receive the sacrament of his body and blood for their forgiveness, life, and salvation. There, God is having his church, no matter what the signboard on the outside says. Reformation Day is a good day, however, I think, for a values check, a self-reflection, a self-examination of the church in our day, an examination of ourselves as believers and of our congregation gathered here, too, a gut check, to see if we've drifted from the core and the central teaching that is the hub of the Christian faith. If you put your ear to the Lutheran track today, you begin to wonder how Lutheran the Lutheran church actually is. If Luther were among us today, you wonder if he would be pounding on our door, nailing 95 theses to it. Would he even recognize the church that bears his name? Would he even be welcome? in the Lutheran church. If you read his sermons, I doubt that he would be. For one thing, you wouldn't like his language. There are those who agonize, agonize Protestant guilt over the division of Christianity into sects and schisms, and some blame Luther and the Reformers for all of this, but the reality is that the church has always had its divisions, great and small. 500 years before the Reformation, the church was already divided between the church at Rome and the churches of the East. Even the pages of the New Testament record divisions between the apostles, sometimes settled, sometimes not so settled. The apostle Paul wrote to a divided congregation in Corinth, there must be divisions among you in order that those of you who are genuine may be recognized. Wherever the word of God is preached, wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed, wherever the word is preached for repentance and faith, there is going to be division. If for no other reason than this, sinners are preaching it and sinners are hearing it. God, in his infinite and mysterious wisdom, has entrusted his teaching, his doctrine, to sinful and fallible men And he seems just fine with that arrangement. Chemnitz, I think, once said, if God wanted it done perfectly, he would have given it to angels. But he didn't. He gave it to men to be preached among men. The church always appears weak and divided in this world, and so it must be. It must be that way. Lest we begin to worship the bride of Christ instead of Christ himself. We are already one through faith in Christ. We are one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. And though we may appear to the world viewed from below as hopelessly divided and weak, nevertheless our unity is not found in ourselves or in our bureaucracies, but solely in Christ alone. And we will experience that unity for ourselves one day, and we will see it in all its glory one day in the resurrection, but not a day sooner than that. Now we must confess we believe, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church precisely because we cannot see one holy and Catholic and apostolic church.
There's a saying that's popular amongst the cool Christians during these latter days of October. The church is always being reformed, they say. The really cool kids say, Ecclesia Semper Reformanda Est. It always sounds cooler in Latin, doesn't it? That can be understood in a good and a not-so-good way. It can mean that the church must always be changing, morphing with the times, keeping in step with its culture, striving to be relevant, never standing still, always contemporary, always cutting edge, always doing something new. Or it can mean that Luther and the boys, well, they got off to a good start, but they didn't go quite far enough, and so it's up to us to keep that Reformation ball rolling in our day. That would be the not-so-good way of understanding Ecclesia Semper Reformanda Est. The church is always being reformed. Partly because we don't reform the church, God does. The good way of saying it The church is always being called back by God to the bedrock of its faith, the foundation, the core, Christ and him crucified. That's what makes the Christian church Christian. There are lots of things said in Christian churches, lots of things, lots of advice given out, lots of, you know, books about leading purpose-driven lives or fulfilling everything in your life or having the good life or everything. And some of that stuff might actually be true. But here's the, here's the test, the ultimate litmus test. If you can say it, speak it, or write it, had Jesus never died and risen for the justification of the sinner, it's not Christian. It may be good, but it's not Christian. In fact, most of those books are easily imported into the mosque, the synagogue, and amongst atheists because it's just simple You know, good old-fashioned common sense, like your mom told you or should have. If you can't say it, had Jesus never hung on a cross, it's not Christian. That's the core of the Christian faith, that the sinner, the sinner is justified, declared righteous by faith alone, that is trust in the completed work of Jesus Christ, his perfect life, his innocent death, his resurrection, his ascension, these things alone for the life of the world, for the sin of the world. And this is by faith apart from works. Anything you do, so much as a twitch, a prayer, anything, by faith alone, apart from works of the law. You see, the law can't save you. The law cannot commend you to God. The law can and does keep you in line. We need to be kept in line. The law shows you your sin. We certainly need to see that. The law magnifies your sin in case you missed it. And the law instructs and it guides you in the ways of holiness. But it cannot justify you before God. It cannot commend you before God. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world be held accountable to God, for by works of the law no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. It could not be more plainer than that right out of the book of Romans. The law cannot forgive, the law cannot justify, the law cannot save. It will accuse you, it will damn you, it will kill you. It can't make you better, it cannot turn a sinner into a saint, it won't commend you to God. And yet, yet, every religion 
in the world, save one, attempts to use some version of the law, whether written in a book or written in the heart, to justify oneself before God. And you do it too. And I do. Whenever we attempt to justify our actions, whenever we attempt to atone for our sins, whenever we begin to argue our goodness, our purity, our holiness, whenever we try to appease God, we are using the law against God, and God will have none of it. The law will shut your mouth before God. The Lord will hold you accountable before the highest courts of heaven. The law will show you your sin to a depth you cannot bear to look at. You think your problem is that you have problems. Oh, my friends, you are so wrong. The problem is you are the problem, and the law will show you that. In Luther's day, it was all about merit. It's like the Boy Scouts. It was all about merit. Your sins and your merits. The kind of bad karma and good karma sort of thing. Your merits had to outweigh your sins. You put them on the scale. See, the scale of God's justice. Jesus was holding the scales. We had to see, how were your merits going against your sins? If you fell short, well, that will be 10,000 years in purgatory for you, my friend, unless you or somebody near and dear to you buys you out of it with letters of indulgences from the Pope. Or perhaps you can negotiate with the saints. They have extra merits because they're extra good people, and so they can give you some of theirs. Even better, the Blessed Virgin, who surely has more merits than any other human being save one, or best of all, Christ. He has infinite merit. See, it's all about transaction, cutting a deal, you know, merits for sins, bookkeeping, the law. No one will be justified before God by the law. Everyone will be condemned. The solution is not in you. It's in Christ. There is a way of God's righteousness, a way for a sinner to stand before God justified, holy, and righteous, not with his righteousness, but with the righteousness of another. The way Jacob stood before his blind father Isaac, covered with fur, so that he resembled his brother Esau, Jacob disguised as Esau, getting in on the blessing. That's what it means to be justified. We stand before God covered with a righteousness not our own, and God accepts it as our own. He reckons faith as righteousness. Listen to the sentence from Romans and follow it very closely. There is no distinction. Everybody's the same. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. All are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That is the gospel in a nutshell. The core of Christianity, apart from which Christianity is just another religion among religions and not a terribly good one at that. No one else has this, that you, a convicted sinner, guilty as guilty can be under the law, you stand before God and are declared innocent by the blood of another who died for you. To the unbelieving ear, this is outrageous. 
this is scandalous, this is perverse, this is barbarous, this is crazy. Certainly, this is no way to run a religion. It's bad for morals, it's bad for everything, they say. Telling people that they are justified solely because God says so, for Jesus' sake. Outrageous. Where's the talk of transformation, of progress, of the victorious life, of climbing the ladder of holiness to God? Shouldn't it be more like this, that God has done this part and now you must do your part? Yeah, it sort of is. Your part is to die. That's your part. To die as a sinner, the old man in Adam must die. And God has seen to it that he will die. The law kills you. God has declared you to be legally dead. He's filled out your baptismal death certificate. And now you must die, and the law will gradually curb and mirror and guide you straight to the grave. But a new man in Christ has already risen in Christ His baptismal certificate has also been filled out. He's God's child. He's born from above. He needs no law because he's already pure and holy and righteous. He keeps the law perfectly. He is without sin. That's you in Christ. Not in yourselves, in Christ. You as you really are before God. You as you will be. In the resurrection. And this life that we now live, we live by faith. Faith in the Son of God who loves us and who gave himself up for us. We no longer live as far as God's concerned, but Christ lives in us. Every day we need to remind ourselves of that. Every day we need to be reminded of that. Every day we need to be reformed by this, that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The life we now live as justified sinners is a life of being simultaneously righteous and sinful. Righteous in Christ, sinful in Adam. We are Adam and Christ at one and the same time. We are Christ in an Adam suit. Our good works, the works that Christ does in and through us, are still hopelessly soiled with sin because the old Adam. That doesn't mean we don't and we shouldn't do them. Our neighbor needs them. God uses us as instruments of his goodness and his mercy. But what we do, even though Christ is doing it through us, still sinful because they are done with the hands of a sinner. The words we speak are spoken by the unclean lips of a sinner. The thoughts we think are the thoughts of a sinner. Whatever we do, as Adam's sinful fingerprints all over them, can't be held up to God, cannot justify, nothing to boast about. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So don't let any one of you so-called Lutherans ever say on your deathbed, I have lived a good life. No, you haven't. You fall short of the glory of God and deserve to be damned. But thanks be to Christ that you aren't. Before God, it is faith alone, for Christ's sake alone. For we hold that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. 
question on this Reformation Day is, do we believe that? Does the church believe that? That is the reforming word for a distracted church. That is the word that calls us back to the cross of Jesus Christ. It calls us back to our baptismal death in Christ. When we are distracted by everything that needs to be done, by everything that's going on in the world, this is the world that this is the word that tells us to shut up and listen to what God has to say to us. You are holy, you are righteous in Christ Jesus who died for you. You are covered with his blood and his righteousness forever. You are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, for Jesus' sake alone. That's worth having a reformation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to pause right there and pay some bills. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we'll be listening to Pastor Brent Kuhlman's Reformation Day sermon from this year, entitled, I think it's Abiding in Christ's Word. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Relevance Schmelevance. We preach Christ crucified for our sins. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. in other news, it seems that the inhabitants of Earth are not the only ones subject to economic slumps. Jensen Franklin, through direct revelation from God, has given us information that says that the unemployment rate within God's own army has drastically risen. Take a listen. An angel came and opened the doors and broke the chains. My point to you is simply this. When you don't pray, angels become unemployed. The greatest tragedy of prayerlessness is the unemployment of angels. Because when you pray, God gives angels their, their orders. When you pray, the spiritual battle in the heavenlies begins to be armed with the prayers of the saints and people binding. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. <laughs> Attention, angels. This is uh, the Holy Spirit. I have an announcement regarding the uh, latest downturn in the economy. And I understand that a lot of you have been unemployed lately due to a lack of prayer. And I I wish there was something that I could do about this. But, you know, I feel so powerless when it comes to these kind of things. Um, uh, We've uh, created a welfare uh, basket, a spiritual relief type of thing. And uh, so those of you who have been hit hard by the latest downturn and are now finding yourselves unemployed, uh, please uh, proceed over to the uh, relief office and uh, we'll see what we can do to help you out. Thank you. 
All right, all right, everyone just calm down. Thank you. Now, I know that none of you care to be here, but since we're experiencing a worldwide shortage of prayer, it would behoove you to keep calm and allow us to do our jobs. Gabriel, put your wings down. There's not nearly enough room for that. And Michael, Michael, don't cut in line. I know you're the big cheese around here, but all of us have been affected equally. Wait your turn. Next! What's your name? George. George? Whatever. Where'd you fly in from? South Orange County, California. California? That's frontline enemy territory. How many tours you done down in that kill box? About nine. Oh, you're quite the veteran. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's Rick Warren's territory, right? Yeah, he's got most of the people down there praying for purpose, better sex, other useless junk like that. Those idiots don't even realize they don't need God for such things. I hear you on that one. Now, I know it's not much, but this is what I can give you. It's a premium spiritual relief basket. Thank you. I'll be sure to put this to good use. (laughs) I know you will. Next! What's your name, bub? Harold. Okay, Harold. Where are you hailing from? Charlotte, North Carolina. Good gravy. You must really be hurting. Everyone knows that Stephen Furtick's neck of the woods is just filled to bursting with heretical slop. Uh, what are they praying for nowadays? It's the strangest thing. They keep praying to the sun, telling it to stand still. I don't get it. Those morons! Don't they know nothing about astrophysics? If they were to stop the sun, they'd burn half the world to a crisp. Moon rocks have higher IQs than those dingbats. All right, got a relief basket for you. I greatly appreciate the help. (laughs) I know, you're welcome. Next! And your name is... Bob. Bob? I swear, angels these days. All right, Bob, lay it on me. Where you from? Vatican City. Vatican City? (laughs) Are those bozos still praying the dead people and inanimate objects? More than ever. You know, that really frosts my cookies. I mean, seriously. Take Mary, for example. That poor woman has been dead for millennia. She's not answering prayers. Who is the dumb schmuck that thought praying to her would do anything in the first place? Humans. They're so darn gullible sometimes. Anyway, here's your relief basket. Sorry. Just getting real tired of that. Happens every time I give someone a basket. Next! Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Yeah! Woo! Hooray! 
That was a great happy birthday song. Okay, Charlie, time to open up your presents. All right, Grandpa. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, yay. I've always wanted new teeth. Oh, sorry, dear. I seem to have accidentally wrapped my spare dentures. <laughs> Here's your real present. Oh, look. It's a glow stick. We all know how much you like Star Wars, so we got you one of those lightsaber thingies. Oh, thanks. Do not fear, nerds of the world. Never again will you have to deal with poorly made gifts and cheap knockoffs. Just tell your antiquated relatives about ThinkGeek. At ThinkGeek, you will find a vast selection of creative and quality products to tickle your every fancy. Celebrate your love of all things nerdy by going to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash geek. And by clicking on the ad banner, a portion of your purchase will go to supporting Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to become supremely dissatisfied with your church, especially if your pastor is confusing law and gospel and somehow throwing you on your good works and mixing it with your justification. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you are signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It is a great way to support us, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038, and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Okay, sermon number two today is from Trinity Lutheran Church, Murdoch, Nebraska, Pastor Brent Kuhlman, his Reformation Day sermon entitled Remaining in Christ's Word. The uh, gospel text is what he's preaching on for Reformation Sunday. It is the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, which reads, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say that you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel text that forms the basis of this sermon. Here's Brent Kuhlman in his sermon entitled, Remaining in Christ's Word. Here we go. Praise, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, do you believe in Jesus? Oh, good, I'm glad that's wonderful. And so for those of you who believe in Jesus... There is life in his name. 
There are those in the text who believed in Jesus too. Now let me ask you another question. Will you continue to follow him? Will you continue to be his disciple? Was that a yes? Oh, good, that's wonderful, that's great. Now, to you who believe in Jesus and to you who want to be his disciples, he offers everything and all that he can give to faith. And what is it that the preacher Jesus gives? Are you ready for this? Can you handle it? All that Jesus gives you is his word. Jesus says in the text, if you abide, remain, continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Yes, it's his word, only his word. And his word is never a nothing. Let there be light. And there was light. It does what it says. It gives what it promises. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Starving preacher Jesus overcame Satan's very religious temptations in the wilderness with, it is written, it is written, it is written. And so we sang the hymn, one little word can fell him. Most amazingly and most incredibly, Jesus gives himself to you with his word of promise entirely and completely to be God for you with all of his Good Friday benefits all of his Easter gifts all of his Pentecosting you with his spirit that's what he gives to you in his promissory word now imagine imagine brothers and sisters for the first time in your life hearing preachers from their pulpits categorically proclaim that you are forgiven completely and only because Jesus died for you. That his blood purifies you from all sin. Or as the epistle put it today, you are justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, who is the sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. <laughs> Many Many called such preaching reckless, irresponsible, unfaithful, and some said that kind of preaching is heretical. But those were the sermons crafted by preachers sent to the church from the University of Wittenberg in the 16th century. You want to talk about being given good news. You want to talk about finally hearing the truth. Talk about truly, truly, for the first time in people's lives, being set free. At the time of the Lutheran Reformation in Saxony, here is what the pastor would say to the sinner in holy absolution. The pastor would say, Glaubst du auch, dass meine vergeben Gottes vergeben sei? <laughs> I better translate for you. Do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? And the person who was there before the pastor would say, Ja, lieber Herr. Yes, beloved pastor. And then the pastor would say this, 
Wie du glaubst, so geschehe dir und ich aus dem Befehl unserer Herrn Jesu Christi vergebe dir deine Sünde im Namen des Vaters und des Sohns und den Heiligen Geist. Amen. Gehe hin im Friede. As you believe, so it may be to you and I. By the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive you all your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, go in peace. And that was it. <laughs> the pastor speaks only what the Lord would have him say. The, the Lord's word. All based on the mandate and institution word of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 16, in Matthew 18, and John 20. For the church through the holy ministry, to forgive sin. Thus the absolution, by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, Reverend, what about my sorrow? Huh? What about me making amends for my sin? I mean, contrition and amendment of life are important, aren't they, Reverend? Yeah, they are. But they have nothing to do with Jesus forgiving you. Are you forgiven because you're so sorry? Are you forgiven because you promised to change the way that you live? No. Double no. You are forgiven only because of Good Friday Jesus. Only because he Good Friday'd you with his It Is Finished proclamation. And then <laughs> he Easter Sunday'd you. The absolution stands by itself. The absolution, Christ's word, does and gives then precisely what it says or what it promises. Forgiven you are then according to our Lord's mandate, according to his, his word. When you hear the holy absolution spoken by the called and ordained servant, you are hearing the Christ, the voice of Christ himself. Now don't misunderstand, the pastor's not Christ, but when he speaks the word of Christ, you're hearing Christ himself. This is what they were taught. Viva vox Christi. The absolution, the words of Christ, the living voice of Christ for you. And the Reformation exploded and grew. Why? Because the word of the Lord was having its way in the church. If you continue, if you remain, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. Now, imagine going to church and never hearing the words of institution or, you know, the, the Lord's words for the sacrament of the altar. Pretend you live in the medieval church. In the medieval mass, the priest turned his back to the congregation and whispered the Lord's words over the bread and wine in order to change them into the body and blood of Jesus because of an indelible character given to him in ordination. No one could hear him. Only when the bell rang and the priest elevated the host or the cup did you know that something was going on, namely, that the priest was offering the body and blood of Jesus to God the Father as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the living and the dead. The dead in purgatory. I repeat, you didn't hear the words of the Lord. At the time of the Lutheran Reformation, all of that changed. 
Now the pastor, instead of whispering the words at the altar and you just hearing the bell and seeing only an elevation, the pastor faced the congregation with the bread and the wine in his hands as he belted out, what do you think? Christ's words, loudly and clearly for the entire congregation to hear with their ears and to believe with their hearts. Which words of Christ? The words by which he instituted the sacrament. You take this bread, you eat it. This is my body and it's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink from this cup. It is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Do it as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Again, when you hear the words of Christ, it's the viva vox Christi, the living voice of Christ, to you and for you, proclamation to you, his promise that again, your sins are forgiven. That's certain and sure because <laughs> he says so. <laughs> Consequently, the body and blood of Jesus were no longer offered to the Father as an atoning sacrifice for the living and the dead. Instead, the body and blood were bestowed by Jesus as his gift for sinners, just as he instituted the sacrament. Yes, the Reformation blossomed, and the Christian people of Germany and all over Europe knew what the Lord's Supper was, that it's the gospel. And since the sacrament is the gospel, a disciple of Jesus cannot be without it. Nothing would repent, nothing would prevent Reformation Christians from receiving the Lord's most holy body and blood and believing his promise that their sins are forgiven. If you continue in my, in my word, you remain, abide in my word. You're truly my disciples. Are you now still willing to be his disciples? Does our Lord's preaching that I've quoted to you today, does that offend you? Are you picking up rocks to throw at his head? Do false divinities hinder you from following the Lord Jesus anymore? And what other words captivate you, enslave you, bind you? The word of false lords, false gods, or idols, very tempting. And one idol in particular, I'll call it materialism, pleasure, and play. This is the American Trinity. And this idol speaks. She commands. You will have no other God. And tragically, many hearts cling with all their might to materialism, pleasure, and play, expecting to receive all their good, all meaning in life, from all powerful, all satisfying, and all seductive God materialism, pleasure, and play. But this idol, this false god, oh, she shows no mercy. Totally merciless she is. Ruthless she is. She gives no Sabbath day rest for anyone. Seriously, no rest ever. She has slaves, bound and captive slaves to the sin of her idolatry. Materialism, pleasure and play will not allow her slaves to hear someone else's word. And whose word would that be? 
Christ. But, uh, you know, Jesus, the Christ, the one true God, uh, he speaks anyway. <laughs> he will be heard to break and to crush all idols. To save slaves from the hellacious consequences of their wicked idolatry. To bring slaves to repentance and faith. Yes, repentance and faith, even for you. Jesus, through his word, would turn you away from your sin and then turn you to himself, only to himself. You and I are not immune to the wiles and temptations of idol, materialism, pleasure, and play. And so the one true God speaks to you today, the God-man in the flesh, with all his Calvary wounds showing and pouring from those gaping bloody wounds all his saving benefits into your ears and hearts. Will you, will you listen? Will you be given to with all that Jesus has to give? After all, faith comes by hearing, hearing Christ's word. Faith in Jesus that saves you comes by hearing his word. Or will you, like so many that we have dreadfully witnessed over the years in our lives, fall away from following Jesus and becoming slaves to the false gods that promise so much but only deliver hellacious results? If you remain, if you abide, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And my word, Jesus promises, will set you free from the slavery of sin's idolatry. The Lord's word today is this for you. He says to you today, I died for you. I rose for you. I am God for you. And I am God for you the most when I took all your sin in my Good Friday mercy seat body and answered for all of it. All your sin is forgiven and salvation is entirely and totally yours. Here's another word of promise from the crucified and risen Jesus. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, yes. And another word is this that you'll hear again. You eat this bread, you drink this wine, and it too is for you my Calvary body, my Calvary blood, for you to eat and drink. And I promise you, your sins are forgiven, and I am your Savior. So, if you continue, if you abide, if you remain in my word, you're truly my disciples. So, brothers and sisters, happy Reformation Sunday, and happy being his set-free disciples, sons and daughters who live in the Father's house. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Till next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.